Is your three or four year old punishing herself and feeling guilty at times that surprise you? Is your preschooler getting into more trouble than she did as a toddler? And do you feel you have a real three-nager on your hands who's making your parenting job feel overwhelming and exhausting? So the big question is this, how do we navigate through the mountain of overwhelming, often contradictory and sometimes false parenting information we find online? What parenting information should you believe and apply and what should you reject? That is the big question, and in this podcast, we will help you understand what underlies your child's behavior and explain how to react in a way that favors your child's optimal development. I'm Alexandra Scherzer, and welcome to the Wise Parenting Podcast. Before we get into today's episode on the third developmental stage, I'd like to remind you that this is the fourth and last part of our four-part series on the crucial stages your child will go through from birth to about five to six years old. If you haven't already, please listen to the first three parts. You will get a better understanding of how the developmental stages work, what role they play in developing your child's identity and personality, and what you can expect as a parent from each stage. So on to today's topic, the third developmental stage. I actually find this third stage particularly fascinating. The brain of a three to six-year-old is developing at lightning speed in ways that most parents aren't even aware of. Sometimes there are misunderstandings between parents and their preschooler during this stage. And often it comes down to the parents not understanding what's going on in their preschooler's brain, what their child's brain is pushing them to do. And the research shows that going off track during this third developmental stage may go off to the point where there are lifelong negative consequences in the relationship between parents and their child. So let's begin. By now, I hope you've listened to our first three episodes in this series about developmental stages. As you know, each stage lasts for a certain amount of time. So how long does this third developmental stage last? In this four-part series on the crucial stages your child must go through from birth to about five or six years of age, we've told you that the first stage begins at birth and lasts about 18 months, that the second developmental stage begins around 18 months and goes till about three years old, and the third developmental stage, the stage we will talk about in detail today, starts at about three years old and lasts till about six years old. In this series, we've also talked at length about how a child will end each developmental stage, either with a positive or negative outcome for that stage. And what this means is that a child will end each developmental stage with a specific personality characteristic. What is the important characteristic of this third developmental stage? The third developmental stage is all about your child establishing goals for herself and developing the courage to attain them. It's also about your child developing a conscience that doesn't stop her from establishing and attaining her goals. It is in these early years, the preschool years, that your child's conscience is building, a conscience that will help her distinguish between right and wrong. A good but not too powerful conscience will permit her to establish and attain her goals without being destructive. 
A conscience that's too powerful will stop her from attaining her goals or from punishing herself. Ideally, she will come out of this stage with a good ability to establish goals and achieve them and not be inhibited by a conscience that stops her from acting upon her goals or punishing herself if she doesn't achieve her goal. As you can see, by the time your child is a preschooler, things are getting pretty complicated. So what happens here is that her brain switches from focusing on her becoming independent during the second stage of development to focusing on her developing the ability to set goals for herself and try to achieve them. Up until this third stage, she was mainly reacting and responding to events and people around her. What starts to happen in this third stage is that she begins to initiate her own actions. She begins to think about her own needs and act upon them. Again, she takes the initiative to get what she wants, and this is the huge developmental event of the third stage. The outcome of this stage has strong links to success in elementary and high school. It also is one of the foundations for becoming an adult who can set goals for herself, develop the means to attain them, and doesn't allow strong feelings of guilt from preventing her from doing so. It's clear that things are definitely getting more complicated at around the age of three. So let's first look at what's going on in a young child's brain in this third developmental stage. Understanding what's going on in her brain during this third developmental stage is the I in our wise parenting formula for this stage. The way in which the brain is now pushing her is for her to look out at the world around her, see how it works, see how her own needs fit into it, and set out to fulfill them. As I mentioned earlier, she begins to take initiatives. And the way that she does this is quite different from the way an adult would do it because she thinks differently from the way adults do. I'll touch on this later in this episode because understanding these two parts of the I, her brain pushing her to make goals and go after them, and her brain working differently from that of an adult will help you to get through this stage more easily and helps you feel more confident about your parenting decisions. Her brain has switched gears in this third stage and is now pushing her to look out at the world and how she will function in it. So how does this work? It comes down to her increasing her participation in the social environment and the world she lives in. As a toddler, she was mainly reacting or responding to other people. But now, as a preschooler, she starts to establish her own goals in order to satisfy her own needs. She goes from reacting to initiating. So she recognizes a desire or a need and goes about getting it for herself. Here's an example. She's hungry and wants a snack. In this third developmental stage, she will set the goal to get a snack for herself. She has realized that she's hungry, she would like a snack, and she goes to the fridge, opens the door, and searches for what she wants, gets it, and eats it. Here's another example. She wants to play outside, so she gets her coat and her shoes on, she takes the toy she wants to play with outside, opens the door, 
and goes out. So again, she's now an active participant in the world around her. Unlike when she was a toddler, she now thinks about what she wants. She then initiates actions in order to reach her goals. This is what her brain is constantly pushing her to do in this third developmental stage. In this series, we've talked at length about how a child will live many, many experiences throughout each stage. She will end each stage either with a positive outcome or the negative outcome of that particular stage. For this stage, it depends on how many positive and how many negative experiences she has with setting and achieving her goals. Let's start by looking at what a positive experience and a negative experience looks like. A positive experience occurs when she establishes a goal, achieves it, and feels good about it. A negative experience occurs when she established a goal, may have achieved it, but felt bad about it. The more often she experiences establishing a goal and either feeling good about the goal itself or feeling good about how she went about achieving it, the more likely she will end this stage with the positive outcome. If she feels good about her goal and or how she achieved it, this will be a positive experience. But if she feels bad about her goal and or how she achieved it, the more guilty she will feel and this will be a negative experience. As I've explained in the past episodes of this series, the way developmental stages work is that a young child's brain will focus on and push her to develop certain positive characteristics for a certain amount of time. Developing trust in the first 18 months and developing independence in the second stage. Her parents react and respond to her throughout each stage, and how they react will influence how she ends each developmental stage. If she lives more positive experiences than negative ones, she will end the developmental stage with the positive outcome and vice versa. So how parents respond to her greatly influences what form her identity and personality will take. In the first stage, how accurately and how quickly parents respond to her cries will determine whether or not she will end the stage with trust in her parents and trust in herself to help her get help when she needs it. In the second stage, the number of opportunities her parents give her to establish her autonomy and make decisions and how her parents respond to her trying to act autonomously will determine whether or not she will end the stage feeling independent and feeling good about her decisions. In this third stage, how often and how her parents let her establish and achieve her goals will heavily influence whether or not she will end the stage feeling she can initiate and follow through on her goals. Again, how parents act and react to their child's initiatives during this third stage plays an important role in how she will end this stage. Okay. So how should parents act and react to their preschooler during this stage? The message that your preschooler has to receive is that she is a good person. She has many good ideas. Sometimes she has a bad idea, but that's okay. She can count on you to help her find better and safer ways to satisfy her needs. 
So this means that parents should try to notice and approve of all her good ideas and carefully react to her bad ideas so as not to make her feel bad, not to make her feel guilty, not to make her feel that she's a bad person for having the idea that she did. Why I say this is because feeling guilty is innate, and so she will easily feel guilty during this third developmental stage. It's simply part of what goes on in her brain during this stage. As she sets goals and tries to achieve them, she will inevitably fail. And she will know when she fails. You can trust that she will feel bad and guilty on her own. But knowing that she will easily feel guilty, she may even show signs that she is punishing herself, for instance, by putting herself into a timeout. Doesn't mean that you should approve of her poor goals or approve of unacceptable ways to achieve them. In fact, what often happens during this stage is that your child will do something to attain a goal and how she follows through it is either dangerous for her, dangerous for others, or something you definitely would not approve of. In this case, you have to be careful of the way you explain why she shouldn't have done what she did when acting upon her goal. In other cases, her goal is something you do approve of, and you can help her to establish a better way to reach her goal. The best way to help her in a way that she can understand is to frame it in terms of protecting herself and others rather than intentionally making her feel bad. In my experience, I found that some parents think that the best way to teach a child not to do something is to make them feel bad about what they do. Now that I've explained more about what's going on in your preschooler's brain during this developmental stage, I hope that you will see that this type of response may have negative long-term consequences. So again, she will feel guilty on her own without others saying or doing things to make her feel guilty. Making her feel bad about her choices and punishing her may tip the scale and make her feel so guilty that she pretty well abandons setting goals. During this stage, she's extremely sensitive to feeling guilty. How you respond to her at any age is important, but during this stage, your response can easily make her feel guilty, even if it isn't your intention. Let's now look at some specific examples to help illustrate how parents should respond. Overall, this is what you should aim for. When your child initiates a goal and you are pleased with this goal, the timing of it, and how she goes about achieving it, you should show her that you are pleased. So here's an example. It's late afternoon and your preschooler decides it's time to feed the dog and sets out to feed him. If you're aware of her actions and intentions, you express what a great idea this is. If she can open the dog food and serve it on her own, you can supervise it, but you show her that you're happy to allow her to do it on her own. If she has trouble with some tasks, then you gladly help her to achieve her goal. No matter how much or how little you participated in her achieving her goal, it remains a positive experience because she has set out a goal, she acted on it, she achieved it, and she had your support, both for her idea and how she tried to go about it. 
Now, it's also possible that you only realize what's going on once the dog is eating the food. If at this point you respond positively like saying, what a good idea, it was time for the dog to eat, then this is a positive experience for her. Sometimes your child thinks about a goal, tries to attain it, but fails. If it's a goal that you approve of, then you should tell her that the goal was good, even if she didn't achieve it. In fact, for the goals that you approve of, she needs assurance from you that her ideas are good, no matter what the outcome is. So we now know that it's crucial for preschoolers to establish goals and they will act on them. But how can parents find the balance between explaining firmly enough that their child shouldn't have acted in a certain way and should not do it again, and not make their child feel very guilty about what she did and that she was bad to have done it? The first thing I'll say is that you really have to stop and remember that you want your child to establish goals and find ways to achieve them all the while keeping her safe and learning what the social expectancies of her group are. So how do parents find the balance? Well, the answer lies in the S and the E of the WISE parenting formula. In the WISE parenting formula, S, being self-aware, is where you should start when you're looking for this balance. Ask yourself, how am I reacting and why? Am I reacting strongly? Am I reacting appropriately? Am I modeling the type of reaction I hope my child would have in a similar situation? And as for the why, why am I reacting the way that I am? Am I angry? Am I frightened? Am I embarrassed? Am I frustrated? Etc. The more self-aware you are, and the more in tune you are with your own feelings and the reasons you feel the way you do, the easier it will be for you to keep your emotions in check and use positive ways to respond to her. I found that parents are very often at risk of reacting very emotionally, strongly, and negatively when their preschooler does something they definitely don't approve of, and this humiliates them, especially in public. It's not easy to keep cool when your preschooler tries to turn on the barbecue to help you cook the chicken, runs through a parking lot to get to your car, climbs the grocery store shelves to reach a cereal box, or runs down the street too far ahead of you to join a friend. Ages three to six can at best be extremely challenging for parents to navigate and at worst extremely dangerous for the child. In fact, research shows that this is the age when most fatal accidents occur, like getting hit by a car or falling out of a window. On a less disastrous level, this is the age for the most scraped knees, bumps, and bruises. In some ways, three- to six-year-olds should be closely supervised more often than the two-year-olds. Now, looking at the E in our WISE parenting formula, educating yourself about how to help give your child the best shot at being his or her best self. Earlier, I mentioned that parents should explain that a child's goal is good, but that there are better ways or times to achieve it. In addition to knowing that she is establishing goals and she's trying to achieve them, it's important to know that during this third developmental stage, she doesn't think the way you do. 
In my experience, not knowing this is why some families run into trouble in their relationship with their three to six-year-olds. For instance, it's very difficult or even impossible for her to understand your point of view, that you may have a different opinion from her. What is happening in her thinking is that she continues to be egocentric, just as she was when she was a toddler, especially at the beginning of this stage. So how can this be helpful to you? Knowing that she thinks differently from you and that she has difficulty understanding your point of view can help you to be less angry with her when she sets an inappropriate goal or acts inappropriately to achieve it. As I've often said, parenting isn't easy. I've also mentioned that the third developmental stage is even more complicated and possibly even more difficult for parents than the two earlier ones. So, to answer your question, finding the balance can be challenging for parents because of what's involved. They have to be self-aware enough to monitor their own behavior and reaction and they have to constantly remind themselves of what their preschooler's brain is pushing her to do. This means that they have to put a lot of thought and effort into their explanations so that their child can understand them or at least listen to them, all while continuing to live positive experiences when she sets goals for herself and tries to achieve them. So in your experience, what surprises parents the most during this third developmental stage? Parents look at their young child, who has gone from being a toddler to a preschooler, and will be surprised by some of her behavior. They feel she's older, she understands more now, she should behave more reasonably. So they get angry when their preschooler does things that they think she knows she shouldn't do. They'll even say to her, Why would you do that? You know you shouldn't do that. Or, you didn't used to do that. Why are you doing it now? You know the rule. So it really comes as a big surprise to parents that what they are seeing and interpreting is actually not at all what's been going on in her brain. The thing is that as a toddler, she wasn't trying to establish goals. Her brain was concerned with something else at the time. The thought of doing that had never crossed her mind until she entered this third developmental stage. I want to say it again because it's so important to understand. The thought processes of your three, four, five, and six-year-old are entirely different from those she had before. Here's an example. Grandparents live in an elevator apartment building and babysit their granddaughter. As a toddler, she would play in the apartment and she would sometimes say things like, Mama, Mama, come, and sometimes go to the door. Once she reached for the lock and was told not to do that, she never did it again. One day, as a preschooler, she asked for her parents. Her grandparents explained as usual that they would be back soon. But then she did something entirely new, something entirely different from her previous behavior in the same situation. Without announcing anything, she walked over to the front door of the apartment, turned the lock, opened the door, and walked to the elevator doors to wait for her parents. As a preschooler, she established a goal and acted upon it. This is what three to six-year-olds start to do. Now back to what parents find most surprising to learn about this third developmental stage. In my example, as a toddler, 
if it vaguely occurred to her to wait by the elevator for her parents and do what would involve to do so, she didn't do it. So it's not that she understood the rule as a toddler that she shouldn't open the door and walk out in the hall on her own. It's just that she never thought of doing that. It's not easy to see that there is a change, an important change in how preschoolers think compared to a toddler. I understand how parents could believe that their child was following a rule earlier when in fact she wasn't. But this is what often happens. Knowing this can help you to react more calmly and positively when your child seems to be breaking a rule that she formerly followed. Instead of scolding her for having broken a rule that she should surely know not to break, when parents understand what's truly going on in her brain, they can be more empathetic and explain things knowing that she didn't deliberately break a rule. So far in this episode, we've talked through three of the four points of the WISE parenting formula. We looked at the I, what's going on in a child's brain during this third developmental stage, and we heard how differently she thinks as of around three years old, and how her brain has switched its main focus to establishing and achieving goals. We looked at the S, the importance of parents being self-aware, and how being more in tune with their own responses and reactions can help them to parent in such a way as to help their child end this third developmental stage with a positive outcome. And we looked at E, how educating yourself on how best to respond to your three to six-year-old can help you to feel clearer, more at ease, and more confident about your parenting decisions. This leaves us with the W, who your child is. I'll say here that if you haven't listened to our bonus episode on temperament and how your child's inborn characteristics affect your child and your parenting, then scroll back and listen in. The bonus episode is slotted between episodes 10 and 11. So a bit about temperament here. How do inborn characteristics and temperament affect how your child behaves during this stage? Yes, as in every other stage, your child's inborn characteristics will contribute to the way she behaves during this stage. And in this episode, we first talked about the I, the S, and the E. But parents should really start by looking at the W, who their child is. I can't stress this enough, that knowing and accepting who your child is and having this front of mind on a daily basis lays the foundation to better understand why your child is behaving the way she is. It lays the foundation for you to feel more comfortable and at ease with her as a person. What happens is that when you don't know who your child is and you don't know what's going on in her brain at different points in time, you are at risk of feeling angry a lot of the time. And when you feel angry like this, you are at risk of rejecting her. So this is why I say that I can't stress enough how important knowing who your child is and this for the entire family dynamic. Your child will feel better, she will behave better, and you will feel better, and your family relationships will be more harmonious. When you understand and accept who your child is, it makes it easier for you to accept what's going on in her brain 
during a particular developmental stage, and that she may be going through it with greater or lesser difficulty than another child, even a sibling, even a twin, and this affects her behavior. Now, looking at this third developmental stage in particular, children will behave differently throughout the stage, largely based on two factors, their inborn temperament and your parenting. Looking at inborn temperament first, children with an easy temperament will go through this third developmental stage with greater ease. These children will set goals more easily and they will work at attaining them with more ease. Feeling good about her decisions comes easily to her. Failing to attain her goal will not be devastating to her. Of course she will feel guilty. All children do during this stage and on. But her conscience will be flexible. The extent to which she feels guilty will be in proportion to her successes or failures in achieving her goals. And this is important because children who are born with other than an easy temperament will feel guilty out of proportion to their successes or failures in achieving their goals. So what does this mean? It means that for most children, the emergence of the feeling of guilt in this third developmental stage is strong. Many will feel guilty about something where they simply shouldn't. And this is where understanding what's going on in her brain from around three to six years old can be extremely valuable. I say this because for children who are born with other than an easy temperament, their feelings of guilt surface in ways and at times where parents have difficulty seeing and or understanding what's going on in their child. If you understand what's going on in your preschooler's brain, you may be more aware of it when your child is feeling guilty, and this is because you will know to look for signs of it in situations and at times where you wouldn't expect her to feel guilty. So that was an explanation about inborn temperament and how it plays a role in guilt and thereby how a preschooler will set goals and set out to achieve them. So now, how should parents react as a function of these inborn characteristics? Understanding what's going on in your child's brain during this third developmental stage and understanding and accepting who your child is is essential in order for you to react in a way that will give her the best shot at being her best self. One of the most important things to know during this stage is that your child is most likely feeling guilty for things that aren't even on your radar. So when she behaves in a way that you don't approve of, know that she was trying to reach a goal and set out a way to achieve it. Knowing this will help you to react more calmly and with greater understanding of the entire situation. Knowing that your child feels bad and guilty often not in proportion to what she did, should help you to be less punitive. It should also help you to focus more on giving her calm and very simple, clear explanations as to why certain behaviors are unacceptable and how to behave instead. Reacting in this way helps her to modify her behavior without increasing her feelings of guilt. If you help her to feel less guilty, you are in fact helping her to develop the ability to establish goals and find appropriate ways to achieve them. Now I have a specific question about guilt. Isn't feeling guilty a good thing? 
We talked about this third developmental stage at the top of this episode, where young children begin developing a conscience. Wouldn't feeling guilty lead to a good conscience that will help a child know right from wrong? Many parents that I worked with thought this, but it's actually not the way it works. A little bit of guilt is a good thing, but a lot of guilt is a very bad thing. A little bit of guilt helps you to do the right thing if you've done the wrong thing and you try to repair it. But a lot of guilt, in fact, stops you from repairing a wrong that you have done. What happens very often is that when you feel very guilty, you totally avoid acting upon your feelings or even thinking about them because it's too painful for you, so you don't right the wrong. So yes, feeling guilty is part of developing a good conscience that will help your child know right from wrong, but making her feel very guilty will have the opposite effect. First, she will have difficulty knowing right from wrong because she is inexperienced. Second, her gauge for judging how guilty she should feel is off because she's been made to feel that small errors and unintended accidents warrant strong feelings of guilt. Third, her bad feelings and guilt will end up holding her back from establishing goals and finding ways to achieve them. So if you want your child to develop a good conscience that will help her to know right from wrong, a conscience that doesn't overwhelm her, then you have to work hard at guiding her during this third developmental stage so that her feelings of guilt are in proportion to their cause. In our last episode on the second developmental stage, I brought up the term three-nager because some parents feel that their three to four-year-old is even more challenging than she was as a toddler. Now that we know what to expect from a three to six-year-old, and now that we know what's going on in her brain during this third developmental stage, what would some red flags be for parents to understand whether or not their preschooler is behaving in the expected ways of her stage or not? I'll repeat what I said in the last episode, which is that if you feel you have a real three-nager on your hands, a young child that is making you feel helpless about your parenting skills, then I would say that the first thing to do would be to look at her behavior to see if your challenges have to do with her setting and trying to achieve goals or with her continuing to oppose you and fight for her autonomy. I'll say here that around three to four years old, some children can really think up some incredible goals and ways to achieve them. We've talked about this age group getting into trouble and even acting in dangerous ways, but in relation to their parents, they can sometimes seem to be opposing them, but what they are really doing is trying to achieve a goal that is important to them. Remember that even though they are thinking and giving extraordinary explanations, their judgment is very limited. As I explained in the previous episode of this series, a toddler will oppose her parents simply to establish her autonomy. She will want to do something simply to win, whereas a preschooler has developed a goal and will want to do something for a reason. She will have justifications for her actions. And this is the clearest difference I can give you to help you see if there's a red flag that you should be paying attention to. 
It is a red flag if your child fights you simply for the sake of winning, with no real goal in mind. It's a red flag if she very frequently looks to others, especially her peers, to help guide her decisions. So what should parents do if they see these red flags? As I've said before, repairing is much more work than building. It is possible, but it will require much more effort and patience on the parent's part. We know that parenting is already a tremendous job, but repairing, which will require even more work from you, but will pay off in the long run. Parents will have to seek out many opportunities to ask her to make decisions. And when they seek out these opportunities, they will have to think constantly, which is hard work. They will have to think carefully about which opportunities they present to her because the idea is that they will go along with whatever she decides as a way to show her and solidify her feeling that her decisions are good. Parents will have to work hard at reassuring her that her spontaneous decisions, those that they approve of, are good. At the same time, some parents may have to take a closer look at how much they want to control and may need to let a few things go. It will be important for them to notice and point out good behaviors, not just take notice when they see bad behavior. They will also have to look for opportunities where they can reassure her that she can rely on herself to a certain extent. These statements of encouragement, approval, support, and reassurance must by very far outnumber the number of moments when they correct her. So this now concludes our four-part series on the crucial stages your child must go through from birth to about five or six years old. I hope that you now have a good and strong understanding of what a developmental stage is and how the developmental stages work. Your child's brain is truly pushing her to attain some characteristics at each stage, and which characteristics she ends one stage with will have a direct impact on how likely she will end the stage with a positive characteristic. Understanding what's going on in your child's brain during each developmental stage is extremely helpful to give your child the best shot at being her best self. More importantly, it's when you apply the entire WISE parenting formula that you will start to feel more at ease, clearer, and more confident about your parenting decisions. I would urge you to download this four-part series and listen to it a few times. As your child grows and develops, different parts of the series will resonate more strongly with you. We hope that you found today's podcast helpful. Come say hi on social. Our Facebook and Instagram accounts are at Dr. Solomon's Wisdom, all one word. You can subscribe to the Wise Parenting Podcast on any podcast app, including Spotify, the Apple and Google Podcast apps, or wherever you listen. Parenting advice keeps changing on us, depending on what you read and who you listen to. This is making parents feel like they're doing a bad job. And worst of all, many parents today don't know who to trust for what is probably the most important job they'll ever have. So if you're the parent of a young child and you would like to feel clearer, more confident, and more at ease about your parenting decisions, then the Wise Parenting Academy can help you get there. With on-demand access to foundation lectures and seminars in digital, print, and audio, as well as exclusive one-on-one guidance from Dr. Solomon, 
the Wise Parenting Academy is the perfect next step to building the best long-term outcomes for your child. Come check us out at thewiseparentingacademy.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us again.